Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Romans, chapter 4. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Well, one day David decides to go for a walk on the roof and he notices kind of out of his peripheral on the lower roof, there's a woman taking a bath. And the Bible tells us that she is of good appearance exceedingly. (laughs) In the Hebrew language, she is fine. It's in the Hebrew. It really is, just like that. Fine! Kind of gets way up there. And, and, and the Bible tells us, are you listening, that David lost touch with reality. And he forgot that he was the king. He forgot that he was the man after God's own heart. And that he was the ruler over the people. And the Bible tells us that he slept with her and she got pregnant. And she was married to a man named Uriah. And David tried to cover himself. So he had Uriah come out of the forefront of the battle and try to schmooze up to him. Try to get him a drink and eat so that he would then go sleep with his wife to cover up David's sin. Uriah was a godly man. Uriah was a man of integrity, a man of character. And he said, I can't go into my wife while the other guys are out in the field fighting. I'm going to sleep at the door. He never went into his wife. David realized, Houston, we have a problem. (laughs) And so he had Uriah sent back out to the battle, put him in the forefront of the battle where he would most likely be killed. And David committed murder and had Uriah killed. Well, the Bible goes on to tell us it was eight months after the sin with Bathsheba that the Lord sent, remember Nathan the prophet, to tell David a little story. And Nathan the prophet, are you listening, came to David's house and said, David, there's a horrible injustice in your kingdom. I need to tell you about it. David took a seat on the throne and he said, what's up? And Nathan said, there's a man who is wealthy and has a lot of flocks and sheep. And there was a poor man who had one little ewe lamb. And that little ewe lamb played with the family, kids, kids used to sleep with it, kids named it. The little ewe lamb, king was a part of this man's family. He was a family member. And the rich guy, he went on to tell him, the rich guy took the one little ewe lamb by force. And Nathan said, what do you think ought to be be done, King David? And David clenched his fists and his face contorted, his veins popped out, and he got angry. And he said, the man that has done this thing shall surely die. And Nathan said, you the man. You're busted. And I'm sure... David probably said, well, you know, on second thought, maybe you shouldn't die. (laughs) Because your sin always looks more awful on somebody else, doesn't it? 
The man has done his thing shall surely die. Well, David then, the Bible goes on to tell us, he immediately confessed his sin. And Nathan said, David, listen, watch this. Nathan said, David, God has forgiven you. And it was at that time, are you listening, that David wrote Psalm 32 in verse 7. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven. After his sin with that Bathsheba, David says, a man is blessed to whom God imputes righteousness apart from the law. So what we have, ladies and gentlemen, so far is Abe and Dave both agree. That God imputes righteousness apart from works. Because if David had been judged on works alone, he would be in hell right now. And every single one of us in this room, if God judged us based on our works, we would be in hell right now. But God doesn't. God imputes. God accounts. God reckons righteousness to our account. Well, then in verse 9, David goes on to say, or pardon me, Paul goes on to ask the question, was this blessedness that Abraham received for the Jews only, or is it also for the Gentiles? And then he said, we, I had you circle that because Paul says the we refers to the Jewish rabbis who agree that righteousness was given to Abraham because he believed by God. He believed by faith. And then he asked the question, When was Abraham justified by faith? Genesis chapter 15, verse 6. When he believed in the Lord. And when was Abraham circumcised? Genesis chapter 17, verse 22 through 27. Several years after he was justified, Abraham was circumcised. Ishmael would have been about 13 years old at that time. Was God accounting question? Was God accounting to Abraham righteousness as a circumcised man? Or before he was circumcised. And Paul says no. Not while he was circumcised. But while he was a pagan worshipping Gentile. He was uncircumcised. And God accounted to him righteousness. Now you got to understand something. The Talmud. The Jewish writings. They said a Jew wasn't allowed to come to the Passover. Without the mark of Abraham in his flesh. Rabbinic teaching in Paul's day said. If a Jew turned away from the living God, Yahweh, and turned back to idols, get this, saints, this is shocking, that the Jew was going to be lost and sent to hell, and that God would remove his circumcision before him, from him, before he places him in hell. In other words, they believe that God would put the skin back on a Jew before he sent them to hell. Listen, the Jew... Worship circumcision. Worship circumcision. So Paul is saying, listen, Abraham was a man of faith. David was a man of faith. So if it's faith that justifies, is it only for the Jew or for all people? That's what we just read. So Abraham was declared righteous before God by faith years before circumcision ever came into the picture. 430 years before the law was given. Notice in verse 11 in your Bible, go ahead and look at it. Abraham received the sign of circumcision as a seal of righteousness. In other words, saints, listen, circumcision was an outward sign of an inward reality. Circumcision was a sign of the justifying faith that Abraham already had. 
It was a sign of faith, not a substitute for it. Just like baptism is an outward sign, audience participation, an outward sign of a inward reality. In other words, just because you are baptized or circumcised, in the Jewish case, it doesn't mean you're automatically going to heaven. These things are outward signs of something that has already taken place. And if you have been baptized and you have not had that inward reality, are you listening? If you've been baptized but you had not had that inward reality, then the only thing you got was wet. Somebody say amen. Because the inward reality is more important than the outward sign. And this is a point that Paul is getting to. Paul says every Gentile that walks in the steps of Abraham, in verse 12, look at it in your Bibles. Every Gentile that walks in the steps of Abraham, and every Jew who walks in the steps of Abraham, are justified by faith. Now look at verse 13. If you're looking at it, say amen. For the promise that he would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if those who are of the law are heirs, faith is made void and the promise made of no effect. Because the law brings about wrath. For where there is no law, there is no transgression. Therefore, it is a faith that it might be according to what saints? Grace. So that the promise might be sure to all very important. So that the promise might be sure to all the seed. And not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made, past tense, you a father of many nations, in the presence of him whom he believed. God who gives life to the dead... And calls those things which do not exist as though they did, who contrary to hope, in hope, believed. So that he became the father of many nations according to what was spoken. So shall your descendants be. And not being weak in the faith, verse 19, he did not consider his own body already dead around 99. Since he was about 100, 99, 100, same thing. And the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not, Abraham did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully convinced, verse 21, that what he had promised, read it with me, saints, he was also able to perform. Stop right there, give me your attention. Paul says, if you become an heir of God because you keep the law, then faith is made void. Simple as that. In other words, the law doesn't need faith, it needs works. And if the promise of salvation was of the law, then faith is useless. But it's by grace, through faith, it's undeserved, and it's unearned. And then in verse 16, look at it in your Bibles, Paul says, God imputes righteousness by faith so that the promise might stand. In other words, God removed the law so the promise might be sure. Because if the law were involved, there would be no certainty of the promise of God. You can get up tomorrow morning. And by 10 o'clock, you will be on your way to hell. Just trying to help y'all out here. 
I mean, think about it. As soon, the first person that cuts you off on the 40, you will be on your way to hell. Because the heart of the matter is the matter of the heart. The law deals with the issues of the heart. The law is about the heart. So if you've ever lusted in your heart, then you're going to hell. So listen, the reason God's promise is sure, get this saints, the reason God's promise is sure is because it depends on grace and not the law. Because it depends on being undeserved and unearned. That's why God's promise is sure. God's promise is not sure because you will do the right thing. Because as I said, tomorrow morning you will get up, and for some of y'all, maybe not by 10, probably around 6. As soon as you open your eyes, you'll do the wrong thing. You understand? So God's promise is sure, not because of what you do, but because of grace. Notice in verse 17, as it is written, I have made, that's past tense, you a father of many nations. God calls those things which do not exist as though they did. Now, listen to me. I'm trying. This verse, God calls those things that be not as though they were. If you have ever heard that verse quoted, raise your hand, would you? Good. That is a good number of you. I have heard this verse so misquoted so taken out of context, it's sickening. I have never heard it in its context, to tell you the truth. I don't think I ever have. God calls those things which be not as though they were. People love to quote that verse because they'll tell you, hey, you know what, let me tell you something. If you've got a low checking account balance, the things that be not money, God calls those things that be not as though they were. You just got to believe it, receive it, name it, claim it, blab it, and grab it, and those things will be. Your checking account be full. <laughs> Call those things with be not. Well, I live in the projects. As though they were, God going to take you from the projects to Preston. Because <laughs> you call those things which be not. And don't misunderstand me, saints, listen to me close. I am happy that God calls those things that be not as though they were. Because that is why God can say, Rodney, you're justified. Saints, you're sanctified. Saints, you're glorified. God can call the things that had not happened yet as though they were because he is God. I'm happy about that. Somebody needs to say amen. I'm happy about that. That God can look at me and say, Rodney, you're justified, sanctified, and glorified. I've not yet been glorified. I'm not in heaven. I'm here. I'm here right now. I'm here in this body with this bad back. I have not been glorified yet. I'm here in this body with a bad back and I'm losing hair. I have not been glorified yet. Some of y'all need to say amen because you lost more than me. And so God, are you listening? God can call those things which be not as though they were and I'm happy about that. But please, my people, my fellow Bible teachers, please, Keep the verse in context. Keep the verse in context. What the Bible is saying, the Bible is very, very clear. The context is clear. The things that be not is Abraham, are you listening? Becoming the father of many nations. It hadn't happened yet. Who contrary to hope, in hope believed, so that he became the father of many nations. The name Abraham means father of many nations. Genesis chapter 15, before Isaac is born, God told Abraham that he was going to be the father, the things would be not. God said, you're going to be the father of many nations. 
That was when Abraham was 99 years old and he had no kids. And Sarah was about 90 years old. You've got these two unlikely people against all hope. God called them and blessed them and increased him. Why? Because verse 18, look at it in your Bibles, because this is what God told them to do. It was according to the word of God. You know the story. Abraham was about 100. Sarah was about 90 and she was barren. It's in Genesis chapter 18. You read that in your own time. The Lord told two angels, get this story. The Lord and two angels came to Abraham's tent. And Abraham prepares lunch. And the Lord said to Abraham, Sarah's going to have a son. And Sarah was on the other side of the tent curtain. And she heard it. God said, Abraham, Sarah's going to have a son. And Sarah heard that and she started cracking up. That <laughs> <laughs> chance. I mean, she started cracking up. Well, the Lord said, Sarah, why did you laugh? Sarah said, who? I didn't laugh. He said, uh-huh, I heard you. She said, no, I didn't. He said, yes, you did. She said, no, I didn't. He said, yes, you did. And then it goes on to say, God said, is there anything too hard for God? You see, she got pregnant and she gave birth to Itzhak, Isaac, which means what? Laughter. And this is a great name because this whole situation is really funny. <laughs> I mean, 99 years old, she's barren, she's dried up, vitamin E isn't going to help her. <laughs> and they're just cracking up. The things which be not, do you understand what I'm saying? The things which be not, how about this half room? Because y'all said amen. Do you understand what I'm saying? <laughs> the things which be not is the fact that Abraham, against all odds, Against barrenness, deadness is going to become the father of many nations. And already we learn from the scriptures that God is teaching this whole topic of the resurrection. Already. Abraham and Sarah are experiencing resurrection in themselves. Death coming to life because the one who is going to come from their lineage is the one who brings everyone back to life. Already we see this whole thing of the resurrection. Now in verse 20, look at it in your Bibles, we got to move on. It tells us that he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief. As Abraham was fully convinced that what God had promised, he was able to perform. Verse 22, and therefore, listen, when you see the word therefore, Calvary Chapel peoples, when you see the word therefore, you want to find out what it's and the word, therefore, from all that we previously said, all that God did in Abraham's life, apart from Abraham's work, calling the things which be not as though they are, all of this, if you know all of that, therefore, it was accounted, reckoned, imputed to him, Abraham, for righteousness. Now, it was not written in verse 23 for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but also for whose saints? It shall be imputed to us who believe in him, who raised up Jesus, our Lord, from the dead. And it was Jesus who was delivered up because of our offenses. And it was Jesus who was raised because of our justification. Therefore, it's accounted Imputed to Abraham for righteousness. 
And God, the Bible tells us, didn't give us this record of accounting and imputing for Abraham alone, but it was for us also. If we believe on him who raised up Jesus from the dead, it was Jesus who went to the cross for our sin. And it was Jesus who was raised for our justification. And saints, listen to me. If you hear nothing else I said, you listen to this. That is why we call it the good news. That's why it's the gospel. The gospel, the good news, because the Bible tells us the word of God was written and handed down through the ages. And it wasn't just written to give us a record of someone who lived a thousand years ago. It was passed down to us. In other words, here's the good news. If you're a sinner and you know that, and you know there's no way that you can do anything to make yourself righteous, well then God, like Abraham, is willing to make a transaction with you. He's willing to take from your account. Remember we talked about this word accounting, uh, imputing, reckoning, and all that last week. Get to see it. God is willing to take from your sinful account and put it on the ledger of Jesus. Because he bore our sins. Right? And God is then willing to also then complete the transaction by taking from Jesus' account righteousness and putting it on your account. Which makes you now righteous. God is willing to do that. This record was handed down to us as well. You see, the important thing is that the transaction, listen, saints, only works if you believe in Jesus, who was delivered up because of your sin, and his death is sufficient to save you. The transaction won't work if you believe in the historical events of the life of Jesus. Transaction won't work. And a lot of folks who just believe Jesus was a person. He was a person. That's undeniable. I mean, get the dictionary. I mean, get an encyclopedia. There's this guy named Jesus who walked around and folks liked him. That's the historical Jesus. Transaction won't work. The transaction won't work if you believe that Jesus was just a beautiful person who did great things. Or the transaction won't work if you believe that Jesus died for your sins, but you don't put your faith in that. Transaction won't work. The only way the transaction works is if you believe that Jesus was God and you believe that Jesus died to pay the penalty and it was sufficient. Okay, I told you Romans is theological and doctrinal, so wake up. <laughs> and it was sufficient. Look, you can learn this here or go pay $40,000 in the seminary, okay? I'm doing it for just a cheap dinner. And, um, no. <laughs> but that his blood, you understand, was sufficient to pay the penalty for your sin. You see? Then the transaction works. You believe, and not only that, but that also, look at verse 25. Look at it. Who was raised because of our justification. So not only do we need to believe that Jesus suffered, bled, and died on Calvary's cross, but that he was also raised. He rose again from the dead. This is the full gospel message. Are you getting this? The, the gospel message includes, and don't leave it out, that Jesus rose again. 
Because if Jesus didn't rise from the grave, Paul tells us that our faith is futile. If Jesus didn't rise from the grave, then what's the difference between him, Harry Krishna, Muhammad, or whoever else? There is no difference. The reality is what, Jesus, what makes the gospel powerful and not anemic is the fact that we serve a living God. So the whole Christian thing, it all swings on this hinge of the resurrection. You got to keep it together. This is the gospel. Paul says, listen, this is good news. Makes me want to sing. This is good news. Because Abraham was justified apart from his works and we can be justified apart from our works. Are we talking about go out and sit it up? No. Please don't take that away from this message. That's not what I'm saying. Don't go out of here and go, wee. <laughs> That's what Ronnie said. We can sit it up, man. Then what we can do is ask for grace. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying when you understand grace, you understand that it has nothing to do with you. G-R-A-C-E. God's riches at Christ's expense. It ain't about you. It's not about you. It's all about what he's done. And we get set free. I don't know about you, but the chains keep falling off. I've been a Christian for 25 years. Tuesday. Past Tuesday. And, and I'm realizing more and more, this ain't about Rodney. It's all about what God did, what Jesus did, apart from me. And now I respond to that, Lord, I love you, Lord, I thank you, God, I praise you, I worship you for who you are and what you have done. And then to God be the glory, great things he has done. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin has left the crimson stain, but what? He washed the white as snow, not you. Don't confuse it. Otherwise you become a chained up legalist and you don't want that you want to walk in grace you want to walk in freedom you have been listening to salt and light a radio outreach ministry of pastor rodney finch and calvary chapel Cary, located in apex north carolina join pastor rodney monday through friday at this same time for information regarding service times you can contact us at one 800 293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.